Greetings, this is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. I will begin reading at verse 46 of uh, chapter 2, and I will read through chapter 3, verses 16. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they had laid at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's portico, and they were greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or good godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. If you remember from our previous studies, Acts chapter 2 covered the events that took place on the day of Pentecost. There was great excitement and expectation, and they, uh, the new believers were filled with joy. They by the experience that they had with Jesus Christ. These were the glory days of the church. They were 
what we might call the honeymoon period, when everything was right and good and joyful. On one particular day, Peter and John went to the temple at the usual time of prayer, which in our scripture is described as the ninth hour, and in our day that would be known as three o'clock in the afternoon. The story told here in our passage talks about a man who had been born lame. This means that he had never entered the temple in his life. He had spent his life at the feet of others, begging a few coins so that he could eat that day. But on this day, and at that time of history, to be born in such a condition automatically excluded him from all society. It is hard enough in our own day for those who have some sort of physical disability, but we have resources, especially here in the United States, of medical care and special helps and programs and even financial assistance. But this man, this man had nothing like that. There was no help for him apart from family and maybe a few loyal friends who had pledged themselves to help him day to day. But there was no help, not really, and no hope for him. Medical science did not offer to him any kind of surgeries or hope for his future. I think that this man must have survived a miserable situation all his life, all his life. He struggled with this severe disability. The Bible tells us that his friends would carry him to the gate of the temple and set him down on the ground day by day so that he could beg from those who were going to the temple. The gate was called the Beautiful Gate. And this gate was unique in that it was large and ornate. And it was just inside the Temple Mount area on the eastern side of Temple Mount. And it stood as a separation between the court of the Gentiles and the court of women, which alone is significant, significant in its opulence and significant also in the fact that it was the gate for Gentiles and women, which uh, in that culture uh, set them apart from the good Jewish men that would come to temple every day. But many people, and of course many of them would have included Gentiles, they would come to worship the God of Israel and the women as well. And they would come at three o'clock in the afternoon for that was the appointed time for prayer on a daily basis. Therefore, this was a very good spot for this man to find a little bit of help from the worshipers whose hearts had been softened as they had spent time in prayer. Peter and John were by this time, I am sure, well-known in Jerusalem 
and especially in the temple area. They had been there many times with Jesus for the past three and a half years. They were present at the times of teaching and controversy and arguments that Jesus had had with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and the teachers of the law who consistently challenged Jesus every time that he came to teach the people. Peter and John were present at the time of Jesus' arrest and his trials. And John was even present at the cross. And now there had just been this great, uh, exciting thing that had happened in Jerusalem. The, the coming of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was evidenced in people speaking in languages that they had never learned. And so there was a lot of hubbub happening. And if you remember that the church had already grown to 3,120 people. And so there was just a lot of excitement that is happening at that time. So Peter and John were once again walking to the temple. And when Peter and John approached this man, he must have thought that this was a great opportunity to ask for them, these men, these, these famous men, a little bit of money, the alms, which would be a charitable contribution. But we can know from what follows that when he asked, he was looking down. I think that after all the years of sitting and begging, it probably would have been a natural thing for this man to look down when he would ask for alms. Just putting myself in his shoes, I would think that pride had been destroyed years earlier. And I can only imagine the kind of verbal and perhaps even physical abuses he had suffered down through the years. Remember, this was a man who had no hope. But what is interesting is that when Peter and John saw this man, they spoke to him. They initiated the conversation. And this too had to have been unusual. And what did they say? Look at us. That's right. Lift up your eyes and look at us. Lift up your eyes to hope. Lift up your eyes to the help that will soon be coming to you. The Bible says that he did indeed lift up his eyes because he thought that they were going to give him money. But instead, Peter said that they didn't have any silver or gold. And I love the choice of words Peter used, silver and gold, while they stood at the gate beautiful, which was so ornately decorated with silver and gold. But what Peter was offering to this man was of far more value than silver and gold ever could be. What Peter was offering him was Jesus and the power of the resurrected Christ. 
It was in the name of Jesus and faith in that name that this man was healed. Peter said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. One simple sentence, one powerful name, one feeble step of obedience to the command, and this life, this man's life, was never the same again. Astounding, amazing, glorious. This man was so filled with joy that the scripture says that he went walking and leaping and praising God. What a joyful commotion he must have made. Can you picture it? A grown man, probably dressed in rags, dirty and smelling, suddenly so filled with joy that all restraint has been removed from him. Blessed mobility, freedom, a new life, hope fulfilled, joy filled his soul. And the people came running from all over the temple area because of this happy commotion. And so many of them recognized this man who had been a beggar. I'm sure many of them had given him a few small coins periodically down through the years. And now they are seeing something they had never seen before. This was a man who had been born lame, born utterly disabled. He had never walked in his life. His lameness was not the result of an injury that he could have suddenly recovered from. No, this was something that he was born into. And now, because of the power of the name of Jesus, this man was totally healed. He was walking. He was leaping. He was praising God. And the people were amazed filled with awe and wonder. Let me read again from verse, verses uh, 9 through 16, only this time I want to read it out of the New Living Translation of the Bible, just to help it come be a little bit more clear to you. The scripture says, All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to this servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. 
you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Peter saw his opportunity, and he took it. If you remember in the gospel accounts, when, whenever uh, Jesus, well, many times, whenever Jesus was confronted by his accusers, he would take an uncomfortable situation and turn it into a teaching moment. And I think Peter learned from this technique from Jesus. He, and so in this situation, he took this occurrence, the occurrence of this man's dramatic healing, and he turned it into a teachable moment, an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people who were gathering around. So he was addressing primarily a Jewish crowd, and so that is one reason why he began to talk to them about the Jewish God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just to, to make that connection for them, to assure them that, uh, that he was speaking to them about the God that they had worshipped all their life. He's, and, and this was intentional because he makes the point that it was this very same God that they trusted in and worshipped that was the God who had glorified, quote, his servant Jesus, end quote. God's servant Jesus. And that is why this man was healed. And that is how this man was healed. And then Peter, for the second time, drives home the point that, number one, they had handed Jesus, this one that God had glorified, they had handed Jesus over to be crucified. Number two, they had rejected Jesus before Pilate, in spite of the fact that Pilate himself had found Jesus to be an innocent man, innocent of any wrongdoing. But they had insisted on his death. Three, Peter said that they had rejected a holy and righteous man. Four, Peter goes on to point out that they had demanded the release of a murderer, who was Barabbas, instead of this righteous man. Five, Peter then drives his main point home. They killed the author of life, but God raised Jesus from the dead. Six, Peter then affirms that both he and John were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, before his ascension, there were more than 500 eyewitnesses to 
the res- to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead because he appeared personally to them. Paul tells us about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. And the scripture says, for, for I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, this is Paul writing, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. You know, I love the account of Jesus appearing when the disciples were all gathered together uh, there in, the, in, at the, uh, in Luke chapter 24. They were all gathered together. They were listening to the two, two disciples who had just returned from the little town of Emmaus, telling them that Jesus had appeared to them and had talked with them as they were traveling on the road and, and had actually sat down to begin a meal with them. And in Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 36, the scripture says this, Now as they were say, said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you, which I was still, while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. This is the Jesus that Peter was talking about on the day that this man was healed. This was the the Jesus. It was in his name and faith in this name that this man was healed. And this man's healing was now an indisputable fact. All who were standing there, they were all eyewitnesses to this. They had to admit that they were eyewitnesses to the fact that this man that they had known to be crippled all the days of his life was now healed. Peter makes the point. They were eyewitnesses to this miraculous healing that took place in the name of Jesus. And so now it was not just the testimony of the apostles about Jesus. These, these 
people who were present on that day now became witnesses to the same. And so Peter repeats, it was because of faith in Jesus' name. The result, the man was healed. The proof, the man was standing in their midst and they could clearly see it and discern it for themselves. The name of Jesus is powerful. The name of Jesus is glorious. You will notice that one of the most remarkable features of Peter's sermon is that it was Christ-centered. He directed the crowd's attention away from both the healed cripple and the apostles and spoke only of Jesus and what Jesus had done. The crowd wanted to attribute this healing to Peter and John, but Peter said, no, that it was God glorifying Jesus through this miraculous healing. This man was simply the beneficiary of the blessing. Once again, let me stress, this was the work of God and not the work of man. Healing is the work of God. It's never the work of man. Peter also pointed out in verse 16 that this man was healed to perfect soundness. It wasn't that he was only some part, some, some way healed, so that maybe he was limping or maybe it was an incomplete healing. No, Peter said perfect soundness, complete and total healing. That is the power of Jesus Christ. Let me make a final application of this story. We know that this man was at the beautiful gate. There is another beautiful gate in scripture. In John chapter 10, verse nine, Jesus said, I am the gate and all who come in through me will be saved. Through me, they will come and go and find pasture. Jesus is the gate to eternal life. Jesus is the gate to salvation. Jesus is the gate to relationship with God. Jesus is the gate of forgiveness. Truly, Jesus is a very beautiful gate. The man of our story had a great need. He was crippled. He was helpless. He was a sinner. And he was so close to the temple, the, the seat of, of, of the presence of God. And yet he was so far away because he could never enter in to the temple area because of his condition. Jesus is the beautiful gate. And we are crippled by our sin. We're helpless, crippled sinners. And we cannot enter in to the presence of God in our crippled, sinful situation. So Jesus comes, our beautiful gate, and he brings us healing and cleansing and restoration and forgiveness. And even more, he clothes us with his own robes of righteousness. 
And we are then able to enter in, into the presence of God, into the family of God. Jesus brings to us healing. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23, Scripture says this, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, and let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Have you ever done what this man did when he had this miraculous encounter with the power of the living God? Have you ever had such joy in the presence of the Lord that you went about walking and leaping and praising God? In Psalm 51, that great psalm of repentance that David uh, penned so long ago when he was confessing his sin and crying out to God for forgiveness, in verse 12, he also cries out, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And he does. For again, let me say to you, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In John chapter 1, verses uh, 12 through 13, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Children of God, that is what we are. Truly, this is a glorious thing. You know, on the day that this man was healed, many gathered around. They were filled with amazement when they saw and heard the testimony of what God had done for him. Do you tell your story? Do others stand amazed at what God has done for you? Because I'm telling you, whatever your story is, whether it be dramatic or whether it be quiet, God, through Jesus Christ, has deeply impacted your life. And when you tell the people about what Jesus has done, they will be amazed. Peter and John said to the man on that day, look at us. Why? Because they were going to tell this man about Jesus. And there is healing in Jesus' name. There is healing for physical needs, There is healing for emotional needs. There is healing for spiritual needs. So let me say to you today, look to Jesus. Lift up your eyes and look to Jesus. Any need that you have, Jesus can heal you. And if you but ask, Jesus will heal you. It may not be the healing that you expect, but the healing will be perfect 
because he knows you so well and he loves you so much and he will accomplish a good work in you. Remember what Peter called Jesus? He is the author of life. Again, quoting from Hebrews, this time chapters 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Heavenly Father, we remember that the very fact that it says that Jesus is sitting at the throne of God means that his work of salvation was completed. We remember that Jesus said on the cross just before he died, it is finished. The work is complete. The sacrifice has been paid. And now, O oh God, you have offered us forgiveness through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for this grace. Thank you for this mercy. I bring my friends before you, Lord, these people who are listening today. And I ask, O oh God, that you would hear the prayer of their heart, the longing, the need, the tears that are maybe falling from their eyes. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would draw near to them and hear their prayer and answer from heaven that when they open their eyes, they might behold your beauty and they might rejoice in the God of their salvation. So we give you thanks, O oh God, for truly you are good. Your mercies are new every morning and your faithfulness is very great. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, my friend, until next time, may God richly bless you and give you joy.